MMA news and views, rumors and call-outs, winners and losers. This is The Weigh-In with Big Marv on TSN 1290, tsn1290.ca. Nothing like talking about fighting and fisticuffs on a Sunday morning. It's probably my favorite thing to do. Welcome to the show. On the show today, I will recap UFC's first foray into Russia with yesterday's Moscow card. We'll welcome TKO Bantamweight champion Jesse Big Catternet back to the program. He'll be defending his title at TKO 44 this Friday. That airs live on UFC Fight Pass. And we'll preview next week's UFC Sao Paulo mental game coach Shane McGowan. He's my guest co-host this week. How are you doing, Shane? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Marv? Fantastic. Thanks for joining me, man. This is going to be an awesome day. Lots to talk about. I mean, an exciting, exciting weekend we've already had so far. Tons, tons. Uh, Chris, let's get it going, man. The latest news in mixed martial arts. Here are the weigh-in MMA headlines. It was a highly anticipated rematch between two of boxing's best, and it did not disappoint. But just like the first one, some eyebrows were raised on the scorecards. Canelo handed Triple G his first defeat as the judges gave him the maturity decision with two 115-113 to 113 scores and one judge scoring it as a, at a draw at 114 apiece. Some feel like Triple G should have gotten the nod. Well, there's definitely sought for Canelo, so I don't think it was as controversial as the first fight. Um, Canelo wins both the WBA and WBC middleweight titles. Um, I'm for one uh, up for a rematch, another rematch, number three. No, there's know. no question about that. And you know what? When I watched that fight, you could see Canelo was the aggressor. He was in it mm-hmm. from the start, round by round. He was the one pushing it. And right now, the judges are looking at that too. But also on the scoring, he tagged he tagged them quite a few times. Really good, clean shots, and that makes a big difference when we're talking about boxing nowadays. Mm-hmm. No, that's definitely right. Of course, that uh, Triple G. Wasn't happy, stormed off uh, as soon as that, those cards were read. Um, I definitely think, like, I guess at the end I had it scored for, for Triple G, but I wasn't, I wasn't like, up in arms that Canelo was given the, the win. It wasn't. You, well, well, this is the thing is that when, when, again, everyone's looking at Triple G as being able to maintain what yeah. he was doing out there and keeping the pace with Canelo, and he did some great things. The problem is, is now I said, is during boxing, the refs want to see that aggression, just like they do in UFC as well. Yeah. Who is in control at all times? And I believe Canelo took it to him and showed that. And that's yeah, why he got sure. the nod. Awesome. Now, yeah, not to have his spotlight taken away by you know only the biggest boxing fight of the year uh, prior to last night's event, Mayweather took to Instagram with Manny Pacquiao standing behind him saying uh, they'll be fighting again. I don't know, this year or next year. Do you think that happens? You know, Do you want it to happen? Well, this is the thing. I mean, leading up to it, uh, I was talking to a few fellows down at ESPN, down stout, and they were saying the same thing is that, do we really want to see this? And because, you know, it's just a big payday. It's a huge, yeah. huge payday for both of these guys. And it was funny because one of them was saying, due to the fact that Manny's been fighting as much as he has, this might be his best chance mm-hmm. at actually defeating Floyd due to the fact that Floyd's been off. So if Manny says, let's do it, right, it's a huge payday, huge win for him, everything like that. Mm-hmm. Some talk of December. I don't think they can get it promoted fast enough for December. I think you're going to, if they do decide to do it, you're going to be looking later on, possibly maybe into the June 
type of era. June, May, June, something exactly. like that. Something yeah. of that summer issue where they can bring a lot more people and hype it from city to city and country to country. Yeah, you know what? I think I don't think we necessarily need to see it, but I also think that if they do it again, it's going to make so much money. It's going to make tons of money. And I think that's the biggest thing is first that you hold it in Vegas like they do it in, in that way. And again, the revenue is going to come in. More money than the first one or less? Mm, more. More. <laughs> more, huh? more. I think right. it's I think with him it's always more. It's always more. It's always more. I, you know what I thought I thought the McGregor fight would make more, but it actually didn't. So yeah, I, I and I think that's why they want to give it enough time to give it the hype. Mm. That's why. I mean these guys they're gonna go in, in it all all in and they need to build it as big as possible. Nice. You're listening to the Wayne on T S N twelve ninety and iHeartRadio. Big Marv here. We're doing the MMA headlines and my guest co host, mental game coach, Shane McGowan. So the attorney for Michael Chiesa, one of the fighters injured when Conor McGregor and his team attacked the bus the fighters were in ahead of UFC 223 in April, officially announced on Monday that his client will be suing Conor McGregor. The lawsuit was filed against McGregor, uh, McGregor Sports and Entertainment, the Barclays Center, and Conor's friends who helped him uh, attack the bus. Among the claims in the suit are negligence, negligent infliction of emotional distress, assault, and battery. Kiesa was left bloody and not fit to fight on the card against Anthony Pettis, and the two would fight at a later date with Kiesa losing in the second round. However, I don't, I have no legal background, obviously. This is how I ended up in radio because, because <laughs> I, if I, if I was smart enough to get a law degree, I don't know if I'd I'd end up working in, in a radio station. I love radio, though. But all that aside, just glancing at this, I don't see how Connor cannot end up just settling out and paying Kiesa lots of money. Yeah, rumor has it it's going to be close to a six-figure that he's going to end up giving him. Yeah. And, again, it's got to get washed away done with and and i think that's what's going to end up happening the two yeah. two all get together and say here you go have some fun enjoy connor's got the money i'm actually surprised though this is the only one that's come out to say you know i am yeah. going against mcgregor for a lawsuit. ray borg also wasn't able to fight on that card exactly i think part of that is also ray, ray borg's going through a lot of things with his you know his infant son needing yes. another surgery so maybe that's the last thing is that that added stress um but but yeah, the, thing, the right. thing with that, though, too, though, is that that's also expensive bills. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I'm saying is I'm wondering what's going to happen after this lawsuit to see if others come after Connor in some way, too. So knowing that if, if knowing that at the light of the end of the t- tunnel is, is making some money off of their emotional distress, it would be worth putting up the money up front to the attorneys. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that that point uh, for sure. Former UFC fighter and MMA veteran Melvin Gillard is facing felony charges in two separate incidents. Gillard was arrested in April for allegedly strangling his girlfriend. Uh, the second incident happened at a Denver bar on September 3rd for second-degree assault, where he allegedly punched a man in the face. Now, that as- incident was caught on the bar security camera. Gillard is being held at uh, 10000 cash bond for four charges stemming from that in- incident. His domestic violence case goes to court on October 10th. Um... As a mental game coach, I always looked at Melvin Gillard uh, having all the tools to be a champion in the UFC and just always making bad decisions either outside of the cage or actually when he was fighting. 
Because there was a, a time where he started putting it together. I know that he he had knocked out Evan Dunham. It looked like he was like moving forward because he he was athletic. He had everything, but just bad decisions. Like how, how do you how would you coach a, a guy with all the assets that Melvin Gillard had? Well, you know you got to first look and say what is going on with Melvin inside because just like many athletes that also have substance abuse problems and things like this too, yeah. you know, they got their own inner demons. I think Melvin does have a lot of different issues that are uh, maybe possibly just the stress related of his anxiety, performance anxiety, but also he also discovers and finds that he's very aggressive too much. And he doesn't know how to control this outside of the ring like that. Yeah. And this is his temperament. This is a huge thing that he needs to start taking control of. And if, personally, what I'd be working on is like, we need to work on this first and foremost. You need to be that better person before you're that athlete and if it stems from there and he can be that great guy that we know we think and think he can he's going to prove himself and do a lot better um pending that he doesn't uh get jail time or he maybe does do some jail time and and say he's ready to to actually come back to the fight game can can he reset like that and can he or or do you think it's it's kind of too late for him no you know what I think everybody can can reset, but the problem is is that have they recognized what their problem is? Ah. You got to recognize it first, and you got to deal with it. And if he can do that, meaning if he's got to take a little time away from that and get the treatment help that he needs to get himself into that right spot, he'll be more than I think open arms to come back into the octagon like that if mm-hmm. he can prove that he can do this. You know, what I mean, it's no different than say a fellow like Greg Hardy. You know, when you look at certain guys like that, too. I mean, they got to they got to go out there. They got to prove first before they get those opportunities. All right. Fireworks could happen this Thursday. It's the uh, day of the first presser for the most anticipated UFC fight of the year. Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. The press conference starts at 4 p.m. Our time. Radio City Music Hall in New York City. Uh, make sure you uh, keep it locked in to the Way In Facebook page, and uh, we'll try to keep it updated uh, on everything that goes on there. I mean, I hope it's fireworks. Not like <laughs> throw uh, something through a bus window fireworks, but could be fun. What? What? Last one, what? He threw uh, the water bottle at Nate Diaz. Yeah. You know, so I mean, mm-hmm. really, I think with Connor, you don't know what to expect. And again, that's the hype that they want to build up. I think part of this is like when they did the uh, Mayweather McGregor pressers, you know, they talked a lot of stuff. They got in each other's face. They put on a big show. Um, I don't think Nurmagomedov is a, sh- is a guy that puts on a show. He's not going to play up to this. If Connor gets in his face, Nurmagomedov's not going to let him get in his face. Exactly. So. And I mean, that's why I said is you don't know what's going to happen. I think Dana's actually trying to look and figure out, oh, my gosh, what, what am I going to do here? Because I'm a little nervous on this as well. So it's going to be interesting. All right. Bellator uh, is beating UFC to the punch when it comes to holding an event in Hawaii. Bellator uh, is first. Uh, Bellator is, is going to be uh, going to Hawaii on uh December 15th uh, uh, in Honolulu. The headline fight will see flyweight champion Alimile McFarlane defending her title against former UFC strawweight challenger Valerie Letourneau. In the co-main event, former UFC light heavyweight champion Leota Machida will take on former Bellator middleweight champion Anthony Carvello. Bellator Hawaii uh, will air on the streaming service DAZN. So, good on them for that. And also airing on DAZN. I think DAZN's really starting to make a splash with, with uh, MMA. Uh, 
So we know Bellator signed with them. Another fight organization to follow suit, Combate Americas, will stream 13 events per year. Uh, have you tried DAZN? Is it is it? Actually, I've never tried DAZN. So I, I'm, I haven't tried it. I, I've heard rumors that it's been really well for them. Uh, okay, it, you know, and, and it is progressing. I think that's what Belfort's looking for and everybody like that is that saying, listen, we got another market here, and this is going to help get us out help. there. And DAZN is available in Canada, right? Because I know that... Uh, ESPN Plus, when yes. UFC signed with them, the big ask was, well, how are we going to watch it? Because we can't sign up for that in Canada. But the zone is available in Canada. It is. Right? It, it is. is. Okay. Good to know. Um, Bellator also has been making a bigger splash in Europe lately, signing many European fighters. And now the winners of the World Fighting League tournament will also receive contracts to be a Bellator fighter. So... I like what Bellator is doing. I like that they're starting to put uh, their reaches across across the pond into, you know, being a more worldwide organization. I think they still have a lot of ground to cover when it comes to catching up to the UFC, but uh, they're they're really showing that they're they're not just a secondary place where fighters can go fight. Well, no, and they're getting some good young up and coming talent too. You know, what I mean, they're getting some people that you want to watch out there, and this that world uh, fighting is is awesome to see. And I mean, you're going to get a lot more excitement. I think that's what's going to draw the fans, especially in the European department too. Mm. And uh, one more thing before we uh, we head over to the roundup, if not making weight, <laughs> um, not even making to the scale was bad enough for Nico Montano. How she found out that she was no longer the flyweight champion um, is probably even worse. Montano found out that she was no longer the champion, that she was stripped of the championship by just scrolling through her Instagram timeline. And that's how, so I feel bad for her that they didn't, Dana White didn't call and talk to her in person and say, look, um, we've had this and this, these are the reasons, so we are going to be taking that championship off of you. That is the most unprofessional way you could ever imagine. And for a title holder to lose because of Instagram like that, I mean, you can't, it makes no sense. It really doesn't. And I don't know what, I don't know, Dana will have some excuse, you know that. But I mean, yeah. I just don't know why it took so long. And I said last week, I, I totally am fine with them taking the title off of her. Like if she showed up and made weight and, and got on the scale and missed weight, the title wouldn't be hers anymore. They'd probably still fight. And if she won, she wouldn't be the champion. But if Shevchenko won, she'd be the champion, right? So, yes, it makes sense to take. She couldn't even make it to the scale. Right. So it makes sense. But I think she is the champion. Maybe she's not as big of a name because I don't think you would do that to Daniel Cormier, right? No, you wouldn't do, it. You wouldn't do that to Daniel, John Jones, none of them. I mean, so Conor McGregor. Exactly. So the problem comes is that that's the most unprofessional. And again, it's the women's vision and everything like that. They're going to look at this and say, listen, give us the same respect you would give the males to. Yeah, exactly. All right. uh, Champion is out for two years. Another one is thinking about moving up that and tons of fight announcements. The roundup is next. You're listening to TSN Radio 1290. This is The Way In with Big Marv on TSN 1290, tsn1290.ca. Fight announcements. Injury reports. Rumors. 
call-outs. He is a snake. He will lose the title. This is the Weigh-In Roundup. Welcome back to the show. Big Marv here. I got Shane McGowan, the mental game coach, and my special guest co-host. I, 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 a little nervous sometimes when you like when you join us because like, I feel like you're judging me. And like, yeah, Marv could be better if he did this and he did that. What are your fears, Marv? What are your fears? <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the roundup. Uh, former UFC heavyweight champion Fabricio Verdum was formally given a two-year suspension from USADA for a failed drug test earlier this year. Verdum tested positive for an out-of-competition screening back in, on April 25th. Uh, he was supposed to face Olenek at UFC Moscow yesterday, but pulled out due uh, to this test and was replaced by Mark Hunt. Verdum is eligible to fight again on May 22nd, 2020. He'll be 43 at the time. Yeah, that's uh, that's getting fairly up there in the age at 43, two-year suspension, unable to get it back into the octagon. I mean, we're seeing this more and more again with these guys testing positive like that and the suspension. I know Mashida came out and was kind of upset about the length of time, too, that he got for this. Yeah, but, you know, it's hard to, um, it's hard to for me to, to feel sorry for these fighters, right? Because, like, yeah, but you're trying to get an edge. What, you know? And that's what I mean. I mean, you knew what they were doing. Everybody, look, we have to be, call it as it is. They knew what they're doing. They took the chance. They got caught. This is it. Now, yeah. from there, you got to roll with it and say, okay, I got to take my suspension. Yeah, I think uh, I think that is. Does he come back at 43? Is it worth it? He will come back. I yeah. think he's going to come back due to the fact that he wants to not leave this way. I think every fighter that does get suspended in some certain degree like that is saying, give me one more chance. I don't want to leave going out like this. I'd rather go out. If I lose, I lose. But if I win, I win. I just want to be in the octagon that last time. Nice. Antonio Carlos Jr. is now officially out of UFC 231. Uh, he was supposed to fight uh, um, Elias Theodoro. Uh, they were supposed to fight next week at uh, UFC Sao Paulo, but due to injury, Carlos Jr. pulled out then. Uh, they had his fight moved uh, to UFC 231. Uh, agreed to fight each other in Toronto. Now that's off the table. Carlos Jr. tweeted that his injury is actually worse than he thought, and he's going to be needing surgery on it. Uh, no word yet on whether or not they have found a replacement for Elias Theodoro. So that fight is off. It's funny because it's it's very friendly exchanges for when it first happened, and they said no problem. Uh, we'll move it to Toronto, and that'll be good then. And then um, Antonio Carlos Jr. when he announced that his his injury needs uh, surgery. Kind of took a bit of a shot at Elias Theodoro when he said, you're going to have to wait for uh, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu lesson I was going to give you, which Theodoro didn't take too kindly for that and uh, kind of, you know, talk, like, I don't need a lesson and, you know, you're ducking me. And exactly. Kind of <laughs> and, you know, the, the thing, too, is I, I hate to say this, but sometimes when this medical staff starts looking at the guys and saying, okay, you got a severe injury here. I, I think they knew a little bit more in advance, you know, <laughs> and, and now this is what's happened. Yeah, I, I feel like before they just announced, yeah, let's just move it. I think he should have gotten a few different doctors to look at it just to make sure. I don't I don't think he's ducking him. I think he's legit injured and, they, and he can't. You're absolutely correct. He is. I I think he is. He's injured. But again, this is where I'm saying is UFC needs to put in their own medical guys and say, okay, let's figure this out. And don't 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 take a slice of the guy. You're the one pulling out. That's just that's just my opinion. It's the way on TSN 1290 and iHeartRadio. This is a roundup. 
guest co-host, Shane McGowan, mental game coach. The former UFC featherweight champion Jose Aldo is set to make his lightweight debut. He said he was offered a short-notice fight with Cowboy Cerrone next week in Sao Paulo. But uh, he said it just wasn't enough time to be ready, and Cowboy's a very dangerous opponent. So uh, when he makes his lightweight debut, he wants to do it properly, make sure all the weight is on there, and get a good opponent. How do you think he does in lightweight division? First, I think that's the smartest move that he made by waiting like that, due to the fact that he knows he's not quite prepared. And you're right, the division change and everything, it's a total new game for him that he's got to get himself mentally prepared better. Uh, he already has the skills. We understand that, the physical. He can do a lot of things. But when you start moving division to division, you need to be a lot more aware of it. And it's, I think it's a great move on his part to not jump in too soon in case you take that loss and set wow. you back even further. I think people forget how good Jose Aldo is sometimes. Oh, huge. But he's huge. fantastic. And he's not having to cut that extra amount of weight. And that's going to make a big difference yeah. on him. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and like, I think... When he when he had his win where he stopped Jeremy Stevens in his last fight, I mean he, we forgot how good he was because uh, beyond that, he was knocked out in 13 seconds by Conor McGregor. Yeah. Uh, then then he, you know, decent win over Frankie Edgar. You know, two losses to Max Holloway, but then you forget Max Holloway's on a different level nowadays. He's on a huge level. So huge. It, 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 so you forget that Jose Aldo is one of the best of all time. And he proved it again against uh, Jeremy Stevens. I think in lightweight, uh, I hope no one takes him too lightly. I think he he could be dangerous at lightweight. I think he's going to go out there and make a statement because he needs to. In himself, he needs to make that statement. For sure, for sure. Uh, now, he hasn't fought in two years, but the War Master says he wants to. Former UFC heavyweight champion Josh Barnett says he really does still want to fight but the fight has got to excite him. Of course, he's not with the UFC anymore. Um, I don't know. Do they have a heavyweight division at 1FC? That one I'm not sure about. I'm really not sure if they do. And I think that's why he's waiting to see what's uh, going to happen, who they could bring in to make this fight uh, Ryzen, an exciting I'm sure fight. I'm they'll find someone at Ryzen. Or he can always go to Bellator. Which and I think that's the other option for him. You know, yeah. is to go to Bellator. Bellator would be, be decent. Um, not, not to throw shade at Josh Barnett, but I don't think you saw the testing pool fit him I, I you know i mean he does have that history he's got um, a huge history so, with that that's that's a big that's a big scar on him for yeah that. and that's so just when i see josh barn i'm like i think he probably takes something if i'm gonna be honest yes i have no nothing to to back that up but as you know as a fight fan he, he's been caught a few times you think you know maybe he did so well in pride was because and didn't really test fighters in Brian. Well, and that's the whole thing. With a lot of those fighters, they looked at the same thing and said, listen, you're not really testing. These guys are doing awesome out there with everything, with the power especially. Yeah. And Josh got labeled this. Yeah. So if he, I, I'm a Josh Barnett fan. Still like to see him fight, but I'd like to see him fight. Uh, not to say where it counts, but kind of where it counts because, like, Belter, there's a heavyweight championship there. and It should know. be a clean. It's got to be clean. It's got to yeah, be a clean slate for clean. everybody. Yeah. All right, uh, someone who's still in the USADA testing pool, Uriah Faber. Yep, he's retired, uh, but he says he's still in the pool, and maybe he just might take a fight again. He says he still gets tested, um, but the fight has to be right for him to go. Well, Do we want to see him back? He wants to come back if the money's right. There's no yes. question about it. Yes, I mean, this is what it all comes out to, money, yeah. money, money. And if he can get somebody, and it's an exciting opponent, too, 
I could see him definitely saying, throw me in there. Let's do this. Yeah, but I, I can, I'm waiting for more controversy to come out in some type of media with him and someone else. <laughs> I, and that's the thing. I don't think he really has controversy to him. He doesn't. He's, he's been known as one of those great, easy-going yeah. guys, but it's his associates at times with Diaz's and them that gets him into a little trouble, too. That's true. So. That's very true. Now, here's something I totally disagree with Faber on. He says he thinks <coughs> – excuse me. Faber says he thinks a fight with YouTube star Logan Paul and Sage Northcutt isn't out of the question, saying he's known Paul for a while and that he's an athlete and does have a wrestling background, as well as that fight could make a lot of money. Um, by the way, did you know this? That Super Sage, he's still a free agent. <laughs> UFC hasn't re-signed him. Why? That's the question. Why? Yeah. So what's going on behind closed doors that why they haven't signed him? I think that's what it comes down to a lot of things, too, is there's got to be something in there that the UFC is saying, we don't know if we want to take a chance here with this fella. Yeah, and that's strange because he seems like a clean-cut kid, you know, very polite, probably one of the most polite young men you'll see in the fight game. And uh, I think especially in his last fight, he's really shown improvement in the, in the, the mental aspect. Because I still recall the you know his, his mess-ups against... Barbarina, where he kind of tapped out before that choke was even locked in. Exactly. It got most, and now you got to look at Dana's position because Dana has been the first to come out and say, if you're not exciting, don't expect to be out there. Yeah. And so this is why I'm wondering if that's that dark mark on him right now. And then they're taking, uh, oh, I'm not sure if we want to do this. But yet, he's still in that age where he's learning as a sponge. And I think, you know, I don't know. It'd be, I, I hope they. I like to see him give him a chance. Give yeah. him one more shot and give see where it goes. They did, they did it for. Uh, for CM Punk, so I mean, you know. It's true. Right? <laughs> it's true. It's very true. You're listening to The Way in on TSN 1290 and iHeartRadio. My guest co-host is Shane McGowan, the mental game coach. On to the fight announcements. Uh, this one for UFC in Moncton on October 27th. Alex Garcia taking on Court McGee uh, on November 3rd. UFC 230. We've got the rematch between Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold, I thought, said, you know, I'm done with middleweight, but hey, one more middleweight fight for him. Uh, it was be interesting because we haven't seen Chris Weidman fight since July of uh, 2017, right? It's, it's so, been a long time. It's been a long, a long time, time dealing with injuries. Uh, we'll see how, how well he does against that. Uh, and then a bunch of fights slated for November 17th when UFC heads to Argentina. We've got Guido Cantonetti against Marlon Vera, Cynthia Calvallo against uh, Paulino Bothello, Khalil Roundtree against Johnny Walker, Jared Cannonier. Uh, moving down the middleweight to take on Alessio de Chirico. Very tough fight there. And Verano Macedo against Mariner Moroz. Uh, so all those fights uh, when UFC heads to Argentina on November 17th. Uh, also, one more fight for the UFC. They announced BJ Penn coming back to the lightweight division. Yeah, he's still not done. He's taking on Ryan Hall at UFC 232. Ryan Hall, of course, is the will will just attack your legs. That's what that's what's interesting about Ryan Hall. You may not like the way he fights, but at least you know what you're getting in for when he, when he shows up. And I, and I think that's a good fight for BJ because he needs somebody yeah. that can go to the ground with him only. Because I don't think he wants to do the stand up anymore. No, you know, watching him against Yair Rodriguez, I don't want him to go against the striker anymore either. <laughs> and that's not the BJ Penn we all remember. No, not at all. And he likes that ground game. So, I mean, yeah. you'll, see a, you'll definitely see a clinic out there if both of them get to, can get to the ground. Yeah, and you know what I've always said? I've always felt that uh, 
what's more exciting to to me than a, an exciting back and forth stand up fight is an exciting offensive back and forth scramble, you know, submission uh, grappling fight. So hey, this could actually be a really good fight. Oh, I think so. I think if who can get the best leverage, and I think that's why I said it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting match that one. And on Bellator, of course, we talked about these two. Uh, when Bellator heads to Hawaii on December fifteenth, Olivia McFarlane and Valerie Letourneau is the main event for the Bellator Flyweight Championship, and then Le- Leota Machido uh, and Rafael Carvalho is the co-main event. And uh, another one, uh, I believe this is a alternate for the. Bellator welterweight uh, Grand Prix. Eric Silva gets his first uh, fight in Bellator, and it's against another UFC former UFCer, Lorenz Larkin. That's going to happen at Bellator 207 on October 12th. So that is the roundup this week. The good, the bad, and the ugly this week in combat sports. That's next on the way, and you're listening to TSN Radio 1290. This is The Way In with Big Mars on TSN 1290, tsn1290.ca. Hey, welcome back to the show. Big Marv here, my guest co-host, mental game coach Shane McGowan. This is the good, the bad, and the ugly this week in combat sports. Music makes it so much better. Oh yeah, oh, I know yeah. I say that every week, but it just makes me feel like it's it's really like yeah, like we should be wearing cowboy hats when we do this. All right, so in the good, I have like we talked last segment. Jose Aldo at lightweight after running at the top as featherweight champion, two failed title shots. Lightweight is a good move for him on this side of his career. I wonder if he can actually make a run at that lightweight championship. Well, I think he's in it to do that. I mean, there's no yeah. question about it. He's in it to do it. And, and and I guess he's come up with his camp and said, let's do this. We can make a run for this and let's try our best. Nice. Uh, also on the good, watch this this morning. Uh, Joanna Janjacek calling out the Russian journalists for trying to get her to pick Nurmagomedov over McGregor. So when asked the question in the interview, uh, she said 50-50. She doesn't pick fights. She supports both fighters. She likes Conor McGregor. She likes Nurmagomedov. And then at the end of the interview, he circled back trying to get her to pick. And she stood by not picking a winner. Then let him know that she's on to him trying to pick. You're trying to get me to pick the Russian fighter because, you know, he's a Russian journalist. And then he quickly ended his interview. He looked very silly. Quickly ended his interview. And then she turned to the rest of the scrum and said, that's the example of a stupid question. Which is my biggest fear anytime I'm interviewing a fighter. Like, oh, sorry. Wait, you know what? But again, I mean, they're, they're trying to get everybody to pick sides and things like that. And I mean, that's the tough part. That's yeah. the tough part in which, you know, as a fighter, listen, I got to go to camp with all these people in certain ways. So I got to make sure I'm kind of on the fence on both of them. But, you know, she may have her own favorite, but she will never say it. Yeah. You know, um, the only time I really got in trouble with the, with the fighter was at the... Uh, pre-fight interviews when the UFC was in town last uh, in December yes Uh, it was Ricardo Lamas I asked him like what do you say about people who say you're the gatekeeper of the featherweight division and and he got really triggered by that question (laughs) he's like people who use the word gatekeeper he's like 
talking to me, like looking me directly in the eye. I was like, I wasn't calling you a gatekeeper. <laughs> but he was like, people who call me a gatekeeper, you know, have, you know, spend all all day behind the keyboards, you know. You know, they're not put, in the action. They're not, they're not fighters. They they have you know Dorito dust on their cheeks and all their figures, all their keyboards. They don't know what it's like. I'm like, Ooh. so don't don't, don't ask him that you, question. Yeah, don't don't call you a gatekeeper. So don't call Ricardo Lobos a gatekeeper to his face. He doesn't like that. Um, and one more thing for the good. I have Bellator making big time moves. Uh, an event in Hawaii. I don't think it's been done since. Uh, remember Elite XC? They did it back in the day. Uh, they are upping their presence on the world stage by signing European fighters and a new streaming deal with DAZN. Bellator is doing what they can to move the needle. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a huge thing. I think it's great to, that they sent it out to Hawaii, and I think they're going to get great results from that. The UFC is going to look and say, okay, we've got to start holding the show there too. Yeah, and I think they're going to please a lot of people if they do that. And uh, you know the Bellator staff is, is very happy that they're doing it in December. Cause of it's course. Like, hey, free Hawaii vacation. And, and not only that, tourist season, you got more more attractions yes. and things like that, too. That's so true. it's going to bring in a lot more revenue. That's true. If I worked at Bellator, I'm like, you know what? I, you know, I'm just going to go down a week early and get everything set up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's my good. Do you have anything uh, you want to list for the good? Uh, you, you know what? I mean, like I said, we got a lot of upcoming things. I know in the bad, there's a few controversies that have been uh, circling around. So why don't we get right to the bad that's right. happening? You got it. The bad this week. Bottom line, UFC needs to pay fighters ambulance bill, period. These are tweets from Evan Dunham that came out this week. Of course, he he fights next weekend. Uh, dealing with collections right now, UFC never paid my ambulance bill from two fights ago. Even though I sent the bill in multiple times to whoever is supposed to be handling it. Uh, and then another tweet, he says, funny thing is, I didn't want to go in the ambulance in the first place because it took them so long to pay the bill for my T-Bow fight, but they insisted. One more fight, and I am done. Of course, he said, win or lose his next fight in the UFC, he's retiring. The, the whole ambulance bills, I... I cannot figure out why the company does not take care of all that yeah. in, in a way. I mean, it's like, it's your medical insurance and that, in that type of thing, but I got my bell rung, but I can still drive. So, I mean, maybe that's not a safe thing either. <laughs> right. But I mean, if it's going to cost me a 500 bucks to go there, plus the medical expenses to get stitched up and everything like this, yeah. you would think that the company has enough dollars that they could say, here you go. Let's take care of this. Like, Just submit your bills. You mean like, why are they charging the fighter anyways? Like, exactly. Shouldn't they have like a UFC account that you like, would think? Here, right? here's, here's the UFC credit card. Exactly. And, like, and, and again, you got all the medics that are at the sides that are taking care of the guys at the back too, stitching them up a couple times, saying yeah. you got to get to the got to get to the hospital. Let's get you fixed. But we're not fronting the bill for the ambulance. Yeah, that to me seems very shady, especially for <laughs> a company that was bought for four billion, and ever since you know the the deal with ESPN was brought forth. Um, they estimate that company is now worth $7 billion, but you can't pay a fighter's hospital exactly. bill. Is that is ambulance And bill? it's not every day. It's like, what, once a month yeah. they got a card? So, yeah, that's yeah, not you, too good. It's a bad look, UFC. you got to know that. That's a bad look. Um, is Verdum done? I think I, I think this is pretty bad. Two-year suspension, 43 and he comes back. I know we both agree he probably fights again, but he'll never... Wipe this smudge off of his career. No, and I think that's probably what's killing him right now is the fact that he he's going out with that with that 
smudge, as we said. Yeah. He's win or lose, he is going to fight again. And if he loses, I mean, there's no question about it. That's it. He's done. If he wins, he may still say, well, I can do one more. I can do one more. But I don't know if the UFC or anybody wants to give him that second opportunity. But we'll see what happens after this two-year suspension. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one more for the bad. It's uh, Giard's, uh legal troubles, you know, felony assault, domestic violence. It's not good for a fighter that, like I, I, I mentioned, I think he had all the tools to be a champion. There's so. no question. There's no question. He's got all the skill sets. He, he can, he's got even great camps. I mean, he's yeah. always gone into and comes in the ring in shape. You know, he's yeah. always ready. But he's got these outside demons that he's got to deal with. And, I, and like I said, when it comes to anything, when it comes to against women and things like that, that stuff has to take precedence. And we got to say, look, at enough's enough. You yeah. need to deal with these issues. Yeah. I, I know, like, earlier in his career, you know, he only had trouble making way keeping weight he said back in his wrestling days his coach actually lived with him right and you know like so he could say he couldn't like have like oreo sitting in the cupboard or anything yep. like that yeah so he, he had, had a mentor live, he, had he had a, a mentor, mentor that took after him now the problem is as soon, as soon as you start making money that mentor is gone and you think you can do everything on your own you think you can do everything on your own and you know it's uh it's unfortunate um from a fighting and uc standpoint that it had to happen this way but you look at what he's he's done yeah. And, and why he's got felony charges against him for uh, it's just not good. It's not it's a good picture. If anything, you could use this as an example to a young fighter. Like here's someone who had all the tools, and, and look what look at his life now. And I think that's what they start need to start doing for a lot of these up and comers. I mean, look at we got mentorships in all different sports. They need people like this to come in there and say. Don't follow in my footsteps, yeah. right? This is what can happen. Need to exactly. start setting those guidelines and, and be a bit more of that role model. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anything uh, you want to add to the bad? I'm not sure if this one's bad or if it's ugly when it comes to uh, newness and cyborg controversy of some things. So okay, we, yeah. let's get into the ugly on that one because it's a little uh, little topic of, of conversation All with right. those two. On to the ugly. Uh, what I have here is Snoop Dogg. Uh, hurling insults towards uh, Darren Till, um, uh, when he of course was lo- lost his fight to to Tyron Woodley last week. And here, here's the thing: afterwards, he started, uh, you know, like because because Kobe Covington is a huge Donald Trump fan. Yes, and he's like, you know, putting down Donald Trump. He's like, yeah, you love Donald Trump. Look, Darren Till isn't American. <laughs> yes, you just you just flat out got them confused. And to me. I'm not a fighter, but if I was a fighter, I'd be very insulted by Snoop Dogg, you know, putting down fighters, especially when the UFC at one point hired him to do commentary. It's like, who is this guy? Was Snoop high? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> was was he feeling really good and just got things mixed up? I don't know. Like, I mean, I, that's Snoop sometimes. We I have guess to understand. He couldn't put it past him. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that he really does. Not high that he enjoys. That is true. That is true. But you're absolutely correct. I mean, you you know, it, it was uh, interesting when they did bring him on and, and things back then. But, right, for Snoop to say what he said, I mean, it's you got to kind of. It's disrespectful. It is. It is. And that's that's what we got to look at, too. Yeah. It's just, but it, I guess you have to consider the source of maybe, you know. Yeah. Uh, also, all the ugly. I have anything to do with talking about Logan Paul in an actual UFC fight. I'm done. I, uh, they They promoted their little. Uh, boxing fight. The uh, their little fans bought, paid the thirteen dollars to watch it. They did well. I don't think I ever want him, even if he has a decent wrestling background. I don't care to see it. I'm a UFC fan. I don't want him in the UFC. Yeah, no, I totally agree on that one. And, and I mean, 
I hope it goes to rest now. I, yeah. I hope we're done with it and stuff. But, uh, yeah, no more. All right. Now, you brought up uh, uh, Nunez Cyborg. What did Nunez say? There's a, there's a lot of controversy going around right now with her moving up in, in her weight division. Yes. And she feels, as it's coming out now, is that she wants to be labeled the GOAT of this women's division. If she, if she beats Cyborg, if she, she, wants, beats Cyborg. she earns that GOAT. Exactly. Right. That she earns that GOAT status. Yeah. And, you know, meaning she's beaten Holmes, she's beaten Rousey, you know, she's the one now to take on Cyborg and win against her. Yeah. The thing I'm finding is this, is that, you know, Cyborg's been in this business for a very, very long yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, impressive record, like no tomorrow. Okay, and even Holmes and the rest of those ladies have done an amazing job. Misha Tate, everybody like that. So when you start calling, now here's the thing that I always find interesting is that it's not other people calling her the goat. It's her herself yeah. coming out saying, I'm the goat. Well, now you really are causing some stir, some controversy and things like that, that others are not going to take a very liking to. You know, So I'm assuming there's going to be a little bit of a rebuttal coming from Chris Cyborg very soon on this um, due to the fact of <laughs> saying, where do you think you come off saying you're the goat after being in the fighting for just a short period of time where if I've grinded and people have not even come to fight me yeah. at times, you know? So yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen in the next little while. There's a few things here. Like when Fabrice Verdum uh, choked out Fedor, yes. did people start saying Fabrice was the goat? No. No, right? No. When Chris Weidman knocked out Anderson Silva... Did people start calling Chris Weidman the goat? No, no, right. One win does not make you the goat. You know, I just that—that's how I see it. Um, I think Cyborg has earned that the goat status. I think, if anything, Rousey might even be more of a goat than her. And even even though Rousey at the tail end of her fight career, she hadn't she didn't look that great at all. But Rousey, without her, this there still wouldn't be female fighting in the UFC. Exactly. So maybe she's not the GOAT, but she's the pioneer. But she, Rousey mean, meant more to women's MMA than Amanda Nunes does. And, and to some extent than, than Cyborg does. But Cyborg, I think, is, is when you look at greatest of all time, she's, she's the GOAT. One loss won't do it for you. And another thing about calling yourself the GOAT, yeah. and, and this is what, what I... Because my job... At the station, besides doing the, the show, is advertising. So when I talk to a client who wants to say, yeah, yeah, we want to say, you know, come to our restaurant. We have the best wings. We have the best service and all that. I'm like, yeah, but how does that sound if you tell, tell a friend, you know, hey, Shane, come over. I make the best wings. It's like, oh, that's weird as you're saying. But if you're walking, you know, if you're walking back and I'm like, oh, we ought, we ought to hit up uh, – we gotta hit up Chris's place. Chris makes the best wings, man. What what are you what's more believable when exactly. you talk about how great someone else is or how great you are? You exactly. Know? And and that's what I mean. So this is what I'm saying is when I read this article, I'm going, Okay, you're you're claiming to be this, but yet out of your own mouth, not others around you, I not heard homes, a not say it. exactly. And so this is what I'm saying is so is it now a ploy to get more watches? Or is it actually her saying that, no, I am, and this is how I need to present myself to go into this match with Chris Cyborg, too? Well, tell me, as a, as a mental game coach, is this part of her psyching herself up to fight? Is that is that part of and, her? And I think that's a little bit to do with her own psyche of saying, I'm going up against a beast 
here and I need to be the best. And in order to be that way, I need to think like that. I need to pretend I am that and take it from there. And I think her own team is also encouraging her to be in this mindset. So it may work for her in that way. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to help you in the ring because like you said, any given time, a slip, anything can happen and you're out. Yeah. All right. That's the good, the bad, and the ugly. This week in combat sports, when we come back, we're going to recap UFC Moscow when the way in returns. You're listening to TSN Radio 1290. This is the way in with Big Mars on TSN 1290. TSN1290.ca. Welcome back to the show. Big Marv here. Mental game coach Shane McGowan, my guest co-host. Uh, the way in on TSN 1290 is brought to you by Bodog.net. Go to Bodog for free sports odds, poker strategy, and casino tips. It's not just the game. It's a lifestyle. Bodog.net. Start playing. So Moscow yesterday afternoon. I like afternoon fights. I don't know, just, um, we're not, I used to like Sunday afternoon fights. That's usually when they would do it because it's Saturday. Rolling snow, but... But now that football's back, I'm like, ah, give me these Saturday afternoon fights. I don't, I don't mind the Saturday afternoon fights. It's yeah. Just that right now, though, during college games, it's a little oh, bit tougher yeah. too. You're but right, you know, I right. mean, but it was a great, it was a great one in Moscow. Yeah, it was a good, good card. Uh, fight of the night went to Peter Yan and Jin Su's son. Of course, Jin Su's son was uh, was not able to receive the bonus money because he missed weight uh, by a pound the day before. Performance of the nights went to Alexei Olenek and. They did three, actually. Leslie Olenek, Jan Bohovic, and Magomed Alkanev. So, in the main event, Mark Hunt got rocked by Olenek. So, yeah, it was in the stand-up game. Olenek got the better of Hunt, who then followed to the ground and finished him off with a rear naked choke. That's two wins in a row now for him. Puts him in the top ten. Uh, he was 11 coming into this fight. Mark Hunt was at number eight. Who... Should Olenek fight next? Looking at the uh, heavyweight division, um, you know, like Junior Dos Santos, Alex Roverin, uh, I kind of like these guys. No, I think, you know what, first, first, good for him, he came in almost 30 pounds lighter than Mark Hunt, too. Yeah. He cut himself down, and I think he knew that he need, in case he needed to go to distance, he'd have that gas still in him, um, but he, he took some good hits, too. I mean, his face didn't look very pretty at the end of it, either. <laughs> no. Mark, Mark can still hit you. I mean, there's no question about that, yeah. but the thing was, he tagged Mark, he got him down, and being a little bit lighter, he was fast enough to get around there to get that rear choke, uh, choke on him, And but you know what, now he's in the mix to make some real money too. Yeah. And I think that's what he's looking for is saying, you just put me in the top 10. Who can I go with now? Because I need to make some money off of this. So we'll see where they promote him on this one. Yeah. There's that. You know, the, the more and more the, the heavy division, we always kind of give it flack for being a bit, uh, a bit light in terms of competition, but you know, you got Cormier as a champion, but Stipe, you can never sleep on. I think he, he should get the next title shot, even though they'll probably give it to Brock Lesnar. <laughs> But Stipe's up there. Uh, Derek Lewis is another guy you think every time Derek Lewis fights, I think, oh, he's going to lose this one. Ends up winning. So it's like you can't sleep on him. Curtis Blades looks like the next big thing. Uh, Francis Nagano, once he gets through that mental game, like you would know, yes. uh, I think he'll be very dangerous. And, you know, Alexander Volkov, Alistair over him, you can never count out. Junior Dos Santos, he can't count out. Count out. And uh, I look at. Taitu Ivasa. 
Yes. You know, he is a dangerous fighter. He looks like a young Mark Hunt. Um, I think uh, I think we can see big things from him. I'm excited by the heavyweight division. They they've got some up upcoming talent like that in the, in your last one there, and yeah. I do think that they need to give these guys a little bit more of an opportunity. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. They got to start making some more fights in that heavyweight division to get it rolling a bit better and and everybody uh, moving and shaking. For sure, for sure. Uh, in the co-main event, uh, Jan Blahovich welcomed Nikita Krylov back with an arm triangle choke in the uh, second round. Make that a four-fight win streak for uh, Blahovich, and we're talking like here's a guy who, you know, finished off Jimmy Manoa, and Manoa was so close to a title fight. Uh, also wins over Devin Clark and Jared Cannonier. Uh He he's come back from uh, back-to-back losses to Alexander Gustafson and Patrick Cummins. Four-fight win streak. He's really headed up there. Uh, they had him. Uh, Ranked number four, I, I'd like to see him go up. Maybe, maybe uh, either Latifi, maybe Vulcan Ozdemir, if if Vulcan gets past uh, Anthony Smith. But who he wants is he wants that rematch against Alexander Gustafson. And I think I like that fight too. I think he wants that rematch due to the fact that a it's going to solidify that I am the next one. Yes, because everybody's got uh, Gustafson as the next. Yes. So if he can beat him and redeem himself that way. I think that's what's in his mind right now, and if he can make, and I think that's a great fight for him. Yeah. I think that'd be a great match. That fight, if I recall, because um, at the time everyone thought that Gustafson was just going to blow, blow past Blahovich, but he he put up on a good fight. Uh, it was they're both beat up after that fight, and I think he's learned a lot since that fight as well. That's oh, yeah. the biggest thing. He's learned a lot, so he knows that yes, I can take this guy. All right, uh, and uh, Shamil. Ar- Arbu, I'm always bad with his name. His name is crazy. Shamil Abdur Rakimov uh, took a decision win over Andre Arlovski. Uh, Andre Arlovski's only two wins in his last. I can't even count how many no. fights. Um, I know it wasn't uh, a knockout loss or anything like that. He was outworked. Is it time for Andre Arlovski to call it quits? Well, he broke his nose pretty fast in that fight. He did. And and the thing with that is that I think if you look at all of Andre's fights when he's been beaten up a little too much that pain gets to him right away and he's hesitant he doesn't Ah. trust anything that he's doing anymore he just wants to get through it and that's it and I think that's what happens he got that nose broken too fast and that was and he was done from there and but again it doesn't help his fighter look impressive because he didn't take it to him like he should have and now Dana's gonna be saying what kind of fight can I give you if you're not gonna pounce on this guy yeah so I can see that too and on the prelims, Cajun Johnson took a split decision loss to Rustam Kabilov. So it's two losses in a row for Cajun Johnson. I was surprised they didn't release him after uh, his last fight uh, with Johnson being outspoken against the UFC's policies and being one of the fighters behind Project Spearhead. I'm pretty sure this is his final UFC fight. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think I think that was it. I think they said, okay, if you know you you, you want to spearhead, you want to do all this stuff. Put your money where, where your mouth is and start winning some fights out here, and it's just not working for him. I agree. All right, that's a look at uh, yesterday's UFC in Moscow. Uh, when we come back, TKO Bantamweight champion Jesse Arnett joins us. Uh, you're listening to TSN Radio 1290. This is The Way In with Big Marv on TSN 1290, tsn1290.ca. Welcome back to the show. Big Marv here. Shane McGowan 
is my guest co-host this week. We welcome to the show. Uh, always glad when he gives us a chance to gives us the time to join us. The TKO Bantamweight Champion Jesse Big Cat Arnett. How you doing, Jesse? How you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic, man. Fantastic. So you are just a few days away from uh, defending your title against the undefeated Nate Manis uh, next Friday at TKO 44 in Quebec. Of course, that'll air on USC Fight Pass. You're looking to extend your win streak to 13 straight. First of all, how are you feeling? Tail end of camp. Unreal. Thanks again, Big Mark, for having me back on the show. Always a pleasure. Um, yeah, we're ready to go. Uh been talking all summer. I'm ready to get in there and uh, take care of Nathan Manis and, like you mentioned, extend the winning streak to 13. Um, he's a tough kid. Uh, good undefeated record. Uh, we'll see what he's got. Um, I'm excited for this fight, and uh, I love fighting out there in Quebec City, so I'm excited just to get fight week started here Tuesday when I fly out nice. to uh, Quebec City. And how did camp feel this time around? I know uh, you seem very hype all, all throughout camp. Yeah, it was good. It was. Uh, we made a lot of improvements everywhere. Uh, one of the reasons I'm still doing this at my age is uh, every camp, every fight, I show up a different person, a um, different fighter. I learn from the mistakes that may that I may have made last fight, win or lose. And um, I got a good team with me, man. Beaumont Boxing Club, Dynamis Kickboxing, and Muay Thai. And my home base, Tilt MMA, um, I'm ready to go anywhere this fight is, whether it be on the feet, on the ground, and uh, I know how to wrestle a little bit too, so uh, I'm excited for this one. Uh, what do you feel is Nate's biggest weapon uh, he's going to bring in with him uh, on Friday? I think he's strong, like physically strong. I think he's young, he believes in himself, and he's got good counter counter shots. But at the end of the day, like, I'm going to be too fast. I'm going to be too much. Like, I, I, I can't see him lasting more than seven minutes, eight minutes, ten minutes. <laughs> like I mentioned on my memes or this and that, like, I'm not playing it. If he does make it into the championship rounds, he's going to have lacerations. He's going to need work after. He's going to be hurting. Um, and hats off to him if he does make it into the championship rounds. He'll be a tough kid. But between me and you, and everybody else out there listening, um, ten minutes. It'll probably only last ten minutes. I think uh, I got a chuckle out of you saying, "And you're glad we have free uh, healthcare here in Canada because he's going to yeah, need it." It's going to benefit him for sure. <laughs> uh, what do you think is his biggest weakness uh, going into this fight? We don't know. We, we haven't seen him get tested yet. He has fought maybe one or two good guys, and the rest rest were chumps. He beat up. Um. I don't know. He doesn't have a weakness, but I'm gonna I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna find out as soon as I put my right hand on him, my left hand on him. Um, I'm gonna mix it up. Well, we'll see how good he is hurt. I know I can fight through adversity. I know I got heart. I know if I'm cut, I can keep going. Hmm. Not that this is a kid to cut me or necessarily even hurt me, but we are fighting in biker gloves. Mm-hmm. I think I told you this last time. They're pretty very small. Yeah. Two four ounce gloves. Um, anything can happen. I do respect him. I'm not sitting over here talking about your trash and didn't work my ass off all summer. <laughs> I put in a, I put in ten week hard camp. Um, sacrificed a lot of good food, a lot of good time with my friends, 
uh, no drinks, low sugar, um, ready to get in there and extend the winning streak to 13 straight. Hey, Jesse, it's Shane McGowan coming into you. Uh, you know, this this match coming up with Nate, I mean, you, like you said, you're coming in with high confidence, you're ready to get in there and battle this young guy and stuff, and you're not exactly sure, you know, what his weaknesses might be. But, I mean, you've got it going because you've been in this situation long enough. Do you think that you can take uh, advantage of him early on in many ways to, to get him to, to do what you want to do, your, your game plan and everything like that? Because you've dealt with adversity, no, no questions about it. But can you get your game plan to work in your favor and control it? Is that your whole plan throughout this, throughout this uh, match? That's an excellent question. That's an excellent question, yes, sir. Um, I'm going to pick him apart. I'm going to pick my long straight punches in his face. And uh, he's going to go to counter, and I'm going to be just off by millimeters, and then I'm going to test his temple, and I'm going to test his chin, and I'm going to test his body. And then uh, then we'll see where the fight's at about three minutes in. Um, it's no secret. I'm, I'm there. I'm going forward. I, I'm always there to finish. I, it's exciting. I, I, don't know, I don't know why, but it's, the, the big cat fights are always exciting. <laughs> I'll, be, uh, I'll be in his face looking for the finish. Part of this, though, uh, for me, I have to be careful, too, because w- when you're being aggressive and I'm 90% of the time looking for finish, you got to watch yourself because he can just bite down on his mouth guard, close his eyes, whip a big, long overhand, and uh, we're fighting in small gloves, like I said, and you don't want to get hit with, uh, you don't want to get hit, period, in there because sometimes you don't even feel it, you just fall. And uh, there's no way I'm leaving Quebec City without 13 pounds of gold. <laughs> 13 fight win streak. You're listening to the win on TSN 1290 and iHeartRadio. We have TKO Bantamweight champion Jesse Big Cat Arnett joining us. Now, Jesse, uh, Nate has been talking some smack uh, online uh, at you, you know, saying, you know, they let you out of the old folks' home and stuff like that. How do you respond to him when he does stuff like that? I like it because, like, <laughs> I showed them gold, I, I taught them how to how to act, you know, and it's like he was quiet for months and mm. now his coach and his buddies are probably helping him talk. We'll see what he has to say face to face. My mm. guess is nothing. I mean, my guess is to put his head down because I'll confront him as soon as I see him. Just make things uncomfortable for him and uh, like I said, like, we'll see how, see how good he fights uncomfortable. Maybe I'll even get him a little mad at the way in. Um... <laughs> Tyrone Woodley, 36 years old, just took out Darren Till, 25 years old, mm. with, with a good move, by the way. I love that Darce choke. One of your patented and, moves. Yes, yeah, sir. It's a good move. It's a good move for a wrestler. <laughs> We're strong and uh, translates well over into jiu-jitsu. Um, Daniel Cormier, King Mo, Henry Cejudo, these are the guys I grew up with on the 2008 national squad for Canada, and they were on the 2008 Olympic team for uh, for United States. So all these guys are are 30-plus older than me. I'd rather the me, the me of now would beat the crap out of the 24- or 25-year-old me. <laughs> so I'll take my experience. I'll take my age, and uh, he's also going to take some cuts on the top of his forehead because he... He keeps his uh, his head tucked really well. I'm going to have to bring it up. Mm. But he, I'm going to elbow him for sure. He's going to eat some elbows. He's going to be cut. And he's got a shaved head. And he's going to show him blood. And, uh, <laughs> I even got nice white shorts 
There's going to be blood all over the blood. <laughs> you know, and, and Jesse, Shane again, you know, this no is what problem. it's all about, is that is that you've got yourself, he's, he's hyping himself up, he's cutting you up in, in words and things like that, but you're taking that as motivation to get out there and do your oh, thing. Yeah. And now, yeah. like I said, you're finding the small weaknesses, but again, it's not the age, it becomes the experience. That's where you're coming in there yeah. with the more experience. How much, again, like you said, during press conference and everything like that, are you going to bring it out and show them that, look at I might be a, a, a tad older, but I am much better, wiser, and I am the more dominant fighter. Great question again. Exactly. We, we show up there uh, Tuesday. I'll probably see him in the hotel. Tuesday. I'll probably see him in the hotel before the press conference, and then we'll see what he has to say face-to-face. I'll spook him before the cameras are even there. <laughs> and then uh, we, go to, we go to the venue and there's a big press conference and uh, we'll see, see what he has to say when we're on TV mm-hmm. um, look I respect him the fight could go 25 minutes I know this he could win I could win there's a, there's a small chance of, of, the, of, the, of the first thing I said there Big Cat's going to take it for 13 but I, I, I did all the work um, I'm going to test his mental abilities I'm going to test his psyche and I'm going to tell him straight up, look, you've never been tested. Let's see how tough you are. Let's see how tough you are when you're bleeding. And I'm cracking you with every shot I got. And I'm hurting you to the body. And then we'll see what kind of respect I have for him after. You know, Jesse- I wouldn't even be surprised. If I put him away in two minutes, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be all crazy, happy, surprised. Like, it is what it is. We're, we're fighting in small gloves. Mm-hmm. Sorry to cut you off, Mark. No, no problem, man. I'm sorry about that. I, uh, I, what I really like, since, since I've, first got a chance to talk to you and you know i've been following you uh online for a while now what i really uh, am impressed by is how mentally strong you are like you like we talked earlier about malvin gillard all the tools in the world but look at his career now he's a mental midget but yeah. he's been in there too many times yeah uh, but you um you're someone who has has a go, got it going on in the mental game, but you know it was great because my my guest co-host is a professional mental coach. You know, works with Sugar oh, Shane wow. Moley and stuff. Cool. Um, so Shane, what kind of advice would you give? Even though uh, I don't know if, if uh, I don't I don't think um, Jesse needs to hire a mental coach, but what kind of advice would you give him going into his fight on? Uh, on Friday night, you know, at first hey, I don't know at all. I take advice from everybody. So. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, Jesse. That's first and foremost, you you've already answered so many questions on your own because this is how you prepare every time, and you, your record states and shows it. I mean, you've got everything going on. The biggest thing is, I tell my athletes, is go in there with that high confidence, right? No yeah. fears. Trust in what your camp has done and what your coaches are doing because you know inside that ring things can change real fast in that octagon. Oh yeah. And but for the sure. thing is though is that you're fast enough and smart enough to know and how to capitalize. And that's because you trust the system. You trust what you can do. That's my motivation to you to say, this is yours. If you want this, you're going to take it, and you know what you need to do. But you've got all the right tools, brother, and I think you're going to do awesome. You're, you're firing me up right now. Here. I was going to try and go back to bed, but now you got me thinking about it. <laughs> My, my last thing I was going to tell you, Jesse, is right now is visualize. I tell every oh, athlete yes, is visualization. You got to see yourself as you're there, walking to the octagon, in there, understanding that this is what's going on and this is yours. That's a huge, huge thing. That's amazing. You know what? I had I grew up with um, the Olympic coaches, and I was in a good, good wrestling program at the Burning Mountain Wrestling Club in Simon Fraser University. Dave McKay, Justin Abdu. When I was 12, 13, 14 years old, these guys were telling me visualization and 
and all this stuff that you're speaking right now, and I didn't understand it. And then once I got maybe 100, 200, 300, 500 wrestling matches under my belt, and now I know the smell of that arena. I know where I'm taking my victory picture. I know where <laughs> I can picture myself in my shirt talking to the announcer after. I, can, I know when I'm going to jump in the ring. I, I know when I'm staring at the kid. Um, this, is, this stuff is a big part of the game that people don't understand. It's so real. If you put the work in, for guys like me, it's 90% mental, this game. Because when the lights are on, man, you know how many world champions I met in practice? They can't tie their wrestling boot on, on, when the mat gets out there, when they're out on the mat. Mm. So it's a, it's a lot different when you got to put it all together when there's a bit of pressure. What? I love you, the pressure. You're absolutely correct. And I'm going to tell you one more quote that I just got, and it came from George St. Pierre himself. It said the same thing, is that during training, it's 90% physical, 10% mental, but as soon yeah. as that you get into that octagon, it flips. You're now 90% mental, 10% physical. You know what you need to do out there. You see it winning. You see everything that you're going to be doing and how it plays out, and that's the biggest. that's your biggest, biggest game plan right now. That's cool, man. I'm so happy we got a chance to talk today. Um, if you don't, you should add me up on the social media. We, we keep in contact there. Will awesome. do, Jesse. You know that. And, you know, awesome, just Jesse, because just hearing you two interact, I want to fight somebody now. I'm so hyped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ducking, Jesse. I'm ducking. I, That's awesome. I, I mean, I just, I just want to do the walkout. <laughs> I don't actually want to fight somebody. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, at the end of the day, I got everybody fooled too. Like, I don't like hurting people. Mm. I don't want anyone to suffer. But, but I was, I grew up a big, uh, I grew up in sports. Yeah, I grew up a big pro wrestling fan. And this is just what I found now. I don't even watch UFC. I, I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I do it all day. Um, yeah. I love this. I love competing at a high level, and it's, I, it's, I'm not out there because I like hurting people. You know what I mean? Mm. It just so happens we get to hurt people. And uh, yeah, man, that's so so cool. Uh, the visualization is huge, man. It's, it's underutilized, and it's such mm. a big part of the game, especially especially fight week and. And when everything's done, there's nothing left to do. Well, why not? Why have doubts? Why think about what Buddy can do when, when you worry about you and you worry about your team? Or know the work you put in. Uh, I think uh, I think this is great. I, I think you're a uh, great in, great mental state, great physical state. So when the fight is done and you're back home in Calgary, I want you to head over to Spolombo's and tell uh, Tony Spalatini uh, to give you a couple sausages and a couple beers on Big Marv. Awesome, man. That's cool, man. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me back. Hey, I know you guys are in Winnipeg. It's um, uh, you know, it's great. Thank you so much for, for being a part of the show. We uh, wish you all the luck this Friday against uh, Nate Manus. Uh, folks, uh, make sure you support uh, Jesse Big Cat or Net. Uh, TKO44 airs live on USC Fight Pass. Thanks, Jesse. All the luck to you, man. Okay, guys. You guys have a good day, man. And uh, take it easy. Big Cat for 13, my word. Okay? Awesome, man. Take Thank care, you. Jesse. We'll chat soon, guys. Nice to meet you, brother. We'll chat soon. Will do. All right. That's Jesse, big cat Arnett. Uh, definitely excited to see him fight next week. Oh, he's ready. He's ready. And you know what? The thing is, is that he's already got the tools and he's thinking like that. That's what I love about him is that he's not even worried about the physical part. It's down the mental part and he's getting himself set. Awesome. All right. When we come back, we are going to start our preview for UFC Sao Paulo. You're listening to TSN Radio 1290. 
This is The Way In with Big Marv on TSN 1290, tsn1290.ca. Welcome back to the show. Big Marv here. I got Shane McGowan as my guest co-host. Next Saturday, UFC heads to Brazil, Sao Paulo, and um, some decent fights on this card. Well, first of all, I want to start out with here is uh, between two longtime uh, UFC uh, fighters. In, in fact, uh, Talis Leitish, uh, he challenged Anderson Silva for the middleweight championship way back in August of 2009. Uh, Hector Lombard, of course, made a name for himself in Bellator, went on this incredible win streak uh, in Bellator before coming to the UFC. Um, unfortunately for both these fighters, lately it hasn't looked that great. I mean, uh, Hector Lombard has lost his uh, last five fights, Talish Latish. Um, Inconsistent, lost his last uh, two fights. Uh, Talish did uh, that thing where he said, this is my last fight. This is, you know, win or lose, this is my last fight. Uh, so uh, regardless, he's going to retire after this. I think Hector Lombard, if I'm going to be honest, win or lose, I think he needs to retire too. Just by, And he's he's not just, he's getting knocked out too yes. <laughs> as, as lost. So um, how do you see this one turning out? You know, first, I think it's, it's good for both of them because I think both of them have, have definitely lost a step. There's no yeah. question about that. I mean, man, when, when earlier in their careers, these guys were on fire. Lombard was just amazing. And you looked at him and saying when if he could get to the UFC, he'd just do so much damage and, and be un, unstoppable, etc. But you're right. As of late, they have both gone downward in, in certain ways uh, by their losses. And, again, I think it's they both need to look at this as their retirement matches in some ways and yeah. say, let's just go out there, let's go out in style, but let's bang it, let's do what we got to do, and then part ways and go their, their, their separate styles. Because like I said, th- there's not much left for them after this fight. No, there isn't. There's that, that, that's about it, you know. And, and uh, you all, I almost think Talish Latis has a better, knowing that this is going to be his last I almost feel like when I lose, you know, it's my last. It, it puts him in a better mind state. That's what I think. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He's got first. He's got nothing to lose. Like you just said, I've got nothing to lose, but I'm going to go out there and give it everything I got. So yeah. I think that's going to make things a little bit more trickier on Lombard. So um, I, I guess I got to put uh, Talish Latis. Uh, that's who I'm going with. Um, next fight I want to talk about Francisco Trinaldo. He's taking on Evan Dunham. Again, Evan Dunham is another uh, fighter who said, win or lose on Sao Paulo, this is my last. Of course, we talked about how... Everybody's has, quitting in Sao Paulo. What's well, going he, on yes. here? Well, you might as well quit. One of the most beautiful places exactly. on Exactly. I'm on vacation, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, don't have to worry about it. Francisco Trinaldo, longtime UFC fighter. Uh, incredible win streak between uh, 2015 and 2016. He's been a little hit or miss since then, uh, losing his last fight to James Vick. Um, Evan Dunham, of course, uh, he's uh, went on a decent win streak himself back in 2015, 2016. Uh, lost uh, his last fight to the Canadian gangster, No Fox. No Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Olivier uh, Albin Marseille says this is going to be his last fight. 
uh, almost makes it seem like it's just because it's too expensive, like having to pay all these medical bills. When exactly. The USC should be fitting those bills. Yeah. Um, Evan Dunham, another one of those fighters I always thought had, you know, I think up until his loss to, of all people, <clears throat> Melvin Gillard, yeah. people thought he could be the next big thing in the lightweight division. Uh, been a little inconsistent since uh, since then. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo, <clears throat> always a tough uh, up and coming fighter. Um, so this is a fight between veterans, very tough veterans, both very well rounded. It's hard for me to actually pick a winner here. You know, you're absolutely correct. I mean, 2015, these guys had a lot going on. 15, 16, they had great great seasons and things like that. But the problem is, is you're right, they've gone in a downward spiral. They just cannot get their game going. And I don't know if it's their camps. I don't know if they're just not preparing properly for their upcoming matches at certain times because they're getting tagged and caught too many times. But yeah. in this one, I'm going to go with Dunham. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him. I, I think he's got one more left in him to say I can pull this off, and I think he desperately needs this mm-hmm. win as well too. And I think this is time to do it. You know, I'm gonna go with Evan Dunham as well. I, I just feel like uh, there's, like I said in the last fight, there's just something about that that fighter who who says, okay, I've mapped this out. Yeah. This is gonna be my last one. Uh, after this, that's it. So he doesn't almost doesn't have to worry about the ins and outs. Uh, what's going to happen next? This is it. I'm going to do it. Um, he's, a, he's he is the younger man. He's 36, and and Chinalo's, uh, uh at at the age of 40. So yeah, I, I like Evan Dunham, and in the very least, he can um, kind of fall back. I also think if it goes that, the distance too, yeah, you yeah, know, he if can it goes fall back I, to that wrestling exactly and, and grind that out. So That's right. I like I like Evan Dunham. Uh, uh, Evan Dunham in this one uh, for for sure. Um, Charles Oliveira, he's taking on Christos Gagos. Now, Christos Gagos, uh, first uh, fight in the UFC. He uh, he did, uh, you know, was in a, a absolute uh, uh, combat percoot. Uh, won his last fight. Uh, was a little inconsistent there. Charles Oliveira always. You know, had another guy had all the tools, didn't quite find his way. Has been a little bit inconsistent, but uh, quick win, performance of the night in his last outing, uh, choking out Clay Guida uh, and Christos Geikos. You know, I wonder if the big lights in the UFC is going to be too much for his first fight. And that's exactly it. I'm going to say it's performance anxiety. Ah. Right, you get that performance anxiety because you got all the hype of where you are and everything. You could say I've been in the octagon a thousand times, but I'm in the big show, and I think that's what really is is too much for him at this particular stage. So I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the other fella right now because I just think it's too much. He needs he's got to get his feet wet, no question yeah, about it. True. And but I just think it's going to go the other way. I mean, there's something to be said about um, when, I, when I every time I think about uh, Charles Oliveira is, is sometimes. He has a tendency to quit in a fight. He, he does. He and does. that's like, I look at like Paul Felder. He was winning that first round. Paul Felder is just the guy who doesn't quit. Yeah. And was able to finish him in the second round. You know, like, I, I think uh, it was pretty even with uh, Ricardo Lamas until, you know, Ricardo Lamas. Uh, he, he's got to train like he's ready to fight the entire, yeah. you know, 15 or 25 minute fight. That's it. You know what I mean? And, and that's how he's got to be. But you're right. He quits, like you said. So I think I'm going to take uh, Chris Gokakis in this. I think we're on opposite ends of this fight. No. 
<laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And, and I and I I just think though that I mean if if Oliver doesn't quit, I think he's going to get that with the experience. That's all. So you're yeah. right. It's going to de- determine what what's his mindset. Exactly. So it, it's hard for me to. I, I like uh, yeah. Charles Oliveira, but I, I just don't see. I just don't see it. Um, one more fight before we take a break, and we. Uh, uh, talk about the rest of the card at UFC Sao Paulo. By the way, this is a TSN 1290 iHeartRadio guest co-host Shane McGowan, the mental game coach. I'm Big Marvin. We're previewing next Saturday's UFC in Sao Paulo uh, in the strawweight division. Randa Marcos uh, taking on Marina Mariana Rodriguez. Now, Mariana Rodriguez, in case you didn't know, she's undefeated. She's at... Uh, Ten and zero. She earned her UFC contract by uh, a TKO win over Maria de Oliveira Nita uh, at Dana White's Tuesday Contender Series. So she earned that uh, contract last month. Yes, and now she's fighting in the UFC uh, against a very tough opponent in Randa Marcos. Now, of course, uh, she's been inconsistent. You know, she's traded wins and losses, but. Look who she does have wins over. Carla Esparza's former champ has a win over her. You know, she's got uh, a win over Ashlyn Daly, Daly, you know. So she's it, – it's so weird when you look at um, – when you look at Randa Marcus' record, it's like win, loss, win, loss, right. win, loss. I mean, just to follow the pattern, you could probably pick her to win over – <laughs> over because like she's due for a win. Well, that's she what I'm saying. Vegas one. does. That's how <laughs> Vegas is looking at it. You that's know what true. I mean? But but you're absolutely correct. She's it's been... it's hard to to uh, pick against uh, Marina Rodriguez. She's you know blasted through anyone they've put in front of her. And I just gotta I gotta say I think I think Marcos is going to make it two losses in a row this time. Break up the the system. You know I, I'm going to agree with you on that one. I think Rodriguez she's. She is coming in hungry, and yeah. and I think that's the biggest thing. And I do think that she's going to come out there and demonstrate why she got that contract and just how good she is, and going to make a bit of a statement in this round. So, I mean, Randa Marcos is very well rounded. You know, she's a she is well rounded fighter. She tra- trains, uh, you know, out of a, a pretty decent camp in Canada. Uh, but Marina Rodriguez is, is uh, she just uh, takes it. You know, she's. She's tough. She can submit you. She can knock you out. And uh, I just, uh, I, I think uh, her ten and zero becomes eleven and zero. I, so. I think she's just too exciting right now. I yeah. think she's too dynamic and and she's like you said, well rounded as well herself. And but young and can go out there and fight. Young, strong, can fight. Yeah, I definitely see that. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, more UFC Sao Paulo. You're listening to TSN Radio twelve ninety. This is The Way In with Big Marv on TSN 1290, tsn1290.ca. Hey, welcome back to the show. Big Marv here, my guest co-host this week, mental game coach Shane McGowan. We are previewing next Saturday's UFC Sao Paulo card. Uh, and The Way In on TSN 1290 is brought to you by Bodog.net. Go to Bodog for free sports odds, poker strategy, and casino tips. It's not just a game, it's a lifestyle. Bodog.net. Start playing. All right, so UFC Sao Paulo main card. A uh, really interesting fight here. Uh, a guy they call Mr. Highlight 
Andre Ewell, he's on a four-fight win streak. Uh, finished all four of those fights, but this is going to be his UFC debut here. And he's making his debut against the former bantamweight champion, Hennon Brown. My, how the mighty have fallen. You know, like oh, yeah. this guy was undefeated from May of 20. 20- 2005, May of 2005, right up until February of 2014. That is an amazing win streak. Uh, of course, he lost to TJ Dillashaw, got a win over Mitch Gannon, and then, you know, lost two more fights, went over Philip Nover, but then lost to Aljamain Sterling, lost to Brian Kelleher. I think how Hennon Brow, I, I just feel like. He doesn't have that spark he wants. He used to be so one of the most scariest or the scariest guy in the Matsumite division. He doesn't have that anymore. He was dynamic. He used yeah. to so dynamic out there. And, and then you're right. It's all of a sudden it's tapered down and, and everything. Whereas now you got this, you know, Elwell coming in who's yeah. flashy. He's got the he's got the skills and everything like that. He wants to make a statement. And this is going to be a huge one for him. I think it's a good fight for him yeah. in that way because he is going against somebody that has the experience. There's no question about it. Yeah. But for him to make a splash in the UFC, for everybody to take notice and say, those things weren't fluke of well, how I performed, you are now going to see me in action. And I think so. it's a good, it's a good match for him. You know, it's, it's funny because like, you, you look at Hennon Brown and it just seems like his... His uh, his fight career is so long. You think he's this is a grizzled veteran who's like on the other side of forty. He's thirty one years old. He's only a year older than Ewell, who's making his UFC debut. Exactly. But in this fight game, it, it's hard to it, it's hard to figure out. I think Ewell is going to be hungry. He's going to come in exciting. Uh, they don't give him the nickname Mister Highlight for no reason, and I think he. He makes a name for himself in a statement win over the former champion, Hennon Brown. I totally agree on that one. I totally agree. All right. So in the, the next fight we're going to look at here, uh, Lil Nog, Antonio Rogero Noguera. He's taking on smiling Sam Alvey. Uh, Sam Alvey, of course, moved up to the light heavyweight division uh, a couple fights ago, and it's worked out for him. He has a, you know, a win over... Uh, Marcin Procino, and then his last win took a split decision over Gian Volante. So two wins in the light heavyweight division. Antonio Rogero Noguera, of course, uh, in the twilight, another guy in the twilight of his career, uh, has one win in his last four fights, uh, TK over Patrick Cummins. Uh, been a long time since he's fought, November of 2016. Uh, the last person he fought is currently... The Bellator light heavyweight champion, and on his road to a uh, Bellator heavyweight title, it's Ryan Bader. Yeah, you know, Little Dog has always been a unique character. I mean, you know, he's had some good, good moments. There's no question about that in his career. But as of late, from 2016 to now 2018, that's a long time to not be doing anything in the in the octagon like that of of that magnitude of fighting. So I yeah, we always say, oh yeah, but I'm training, I'm training, I'm training. No, you haven't been in there. You your adrenaline changes, your whole flow, the everything is all over the place, and that's an awful long time, especially too at his age as well. Yeah, and Sam Alvey has had. Well, let me count this. One, two, three, four, five, six, six fights since the last time Little Nog has fought. Six fights. You know, what I lose, he's he's out there fighting, training for fights, fight camps, and 
uh, in light heavyweight, he's got two wins in a row. He's got two fights this year. Uh, Lil Nog hasn't fought. He's at the tail end of his career. I just, I, I don't see anything good happening no. for a Little Nog in this fight. Uh, you know what? Not only do you got the, as we say, the ring rust. I mean, that he's got to get through because it's going to be totally, totally different. But Alvary is a, he's this kid, this guy wants to come at you too. You know, and yeah. I don't think uh, Nog's going to be able to take those type of hits and, and be able to still stand and go the distance with him, even if it does go. I think he's going to get himself caught. And, and you know, the, the thing about Sam Alvey is that he hits hard and he goes after it. He he's, does. He's a, he's, he's just, he just attacks. As soon as he does get you, he's going to go keep going after yeah. you. And I don't know if Nog's got the chin anymore for that, too. That's the other thing. Yeah, I, 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 I don't see it. And, you know, if anything, that's, uh, that's kind of what... Sam Alvey's downfall is, is that he goes after you, but can Lil Nog counter? Do, I don't think he can. Not no. at this point. Not in his career. No. Uh, so I have to say it's so if we're both we're both in agreement. This night's gonna not gonna end well for Lil Nog. No. All right. Uh, next fight, the co-main event: Cowboy Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Uh, he's taking on Carlos uh, Pendersoli Jr. Now, Oliveira. Um. He's a very talented fighter, but can be inconsistent at times. Uh, though he has, uh, you know, a lot of wins. He lost one against Yancy Medeiros and one of the fight of the night candidates for uh, 2017. But I mean, he won his last fight and finishing the former interim welterweight champion Carlos Gondit uh, wins over Ryan Lafleur, Tim Means, Will Brooks. So a lot of great wins for. Uh, Cowboy Olafero. Now, Pendersoli Jr., um, he won his uh, his first fight in the UFC, split decision over Bradley Scott. Uh, other than that, he's got an incredible uh, record at 11-1. and one. Uh, Hasn't lost uh, since the split decision back in December of 2015. Uh, lots, uh, you know, a lot of... Uh, uh, Good things about Pedersola Jr., but is it enough to, to take out Cowboy Oliveira? Cowboy's a tough guy. There's no question about that. Cowboy stays in there, and he takes it, and then all of a sudden when you think you might have him, he turns it around on you real fast. Yeah. I mean, that's but again, that's experience. I mean, so you got to give him the experience in that way. Um, for Carlo Jr. here, I mean... I think he needs to really figure out and make sure he knows what he's doing in there and not take yeah. too many chances. He's got to be very smart about how he's going to fight Cowboy because I think uh, past experience has shown that Cowboy can can flip it on you. So he's got to yeah. be very careful of that one. But I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna take. I'm gonna go with Junior on this one. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. I'm gonna take Junior on this one. I I like Cowboy Alvera Junior. Uh, I gave him the <laughs> you got junior. a combo. Oh yeah. So his son's fighting. No, actually, Alex Alvera. I like Cowboy in this fight. I. I like what he brings to the table. You know, he, he those those you know knocking out Ryan Lafleur. Ryan Lafleur is a tough guy. You know, Tim Means uh, finished. Tim Means. Tim Means is another guy who's super tough. And Carlos Condit, even in this case in his career, he's still a tough guy. And and it's it almost it's like let Cowboy lately has flipped the switch. Yeah. You know, has flipped the switch, and and he's you know he's. Doing what 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 he needs to be done against Yancy Medeiros, it's like that uh, all the good work he just like said, forget that, let's brawl, and he right. ended up losing the brawl. Exactly. Um, I think if he keeps his mind in the game, fights to his uh, to his game plan, I think he beats uh, Petrosoli Junior. I think Junior just needs to rattle Cowboy. 
I think he Maybe, needs to yeah. rattle him and, and get him off his game. And you're absolutely correct. Draw him into exactly. a, a brawl like exactly. what Yancey did. Yep. That could work too, but yep. I'm still going to take uh, still going to take that one. In the, in the main event, uh, Tiago Santos moving up to light heavyweight to take on Jimmy Manoa. Of course, uh, originally this was supposed to be uh, Glover Teixeira. Glover, uh, a little too injured to, still from his last fight to uh, take this one. Jimmy Manoa, of course, one, at one point was looked at as the next guy to fight. And then uh, he ran into Vulcan Ozemir that only needed 42 seconds to say, no, you're not next. And then his next fight um, against Jan Blahovich And Blahovich almost like that fight was almost as if he didn't, because he already thought, oh, that was a fluke loss in the last one. I have no problem with Jan Blahovich. Uh, Jan Blahovich took it to him and took that decision from him. So Jimmy Mann was like, Ready to step up and say, no, 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 forget all that. I'm the next guy. Uh, Tiago Santos, of course, uh, uh, his first uh, light heavyweight fight. So we'll see how he does with not having to, to lose as much weight, but then come up a, a bit here. Uh, he won uh, a decision over Kevin Holland at UFC 227. Uh, always, you know, one of the guys who are really good. He was a really good middleweight but never someone you'd consider for a title shot. So how do you think this is going to play out for both these gentlemen? I think this is going to go to the, to the decisions. I really do. I don't think I don't think you're going to get a clear-cut winner. I, I got a feeling that both of them are going to just play it out that way. It's going to go to the decision. And if, if the refs don't mess some things up, right, I yeah. think I got to go with Jimmy on this one. All right. I do. In the... In the it is great that you're here because this is a very uh, mental aspect of the game question here. Uh, just on paper, looking at this, I really feel like because it's a short notice fight, it's out of his weight class. There doesn't seem to be that much pressure on Tiago Santos. If he loses, like, hey, you know what? I'm a middleweight. I'll go back to middle middleweight. Jimmy Manuel is coming off of two losses in a row. He's getting farther and farther away from that light heavyweight uh, title match. And yeah. it's it's a... It's not a very deep uh, division in the light heavyweight. If he loses to a middleweight, he really falls down that light heavyweight division. All, he's got all the pressure in the world. So in terms of mental game and pressure, it's like a cakewalk for Tiago Santos. Does that come into play here? It will. There's no question about it. Jimmy needs to look at himself and first and say, okay, this guy's not even in my division. Technically, he's moving up to it. So I should have the advantage because I know... I know my weight. I know how to move. I know everything like this. This guy's got to adjust to that. Yeah. So it's a big difference in that too. But Jimmy, because he's made these losses, he's got to fix these things. And I think that he needs to kind of put behind him. He has to put those behind him and face what's in front of him right now. And he's no slouch. You know, no slouch that's coming at him. But he has to say, I am the dominant fighter in this one. And that's it. He's got to put those other fights behind him. All right. So, and then you're you're taking uh, Jimmy Manoa? I am. Um, just based on uh, on that, I, I feel like I gotta take Tiago Santos. <laughs> no, no, he's got no. He's like, hey, if I lose, I lose. If I he, win, he yeah. doesn't have anything to lose. You're absolutely correct yeah, so. in that way because he moved up. If it was in his own weight division, then it's a total different yeah. thing. But because I'm moving up, I can I have that. What I'm gonna say excuse to say, hey, I lost, but I lost because I was in a different division, yeah. not my normal division, etc., etc. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like his way out. Exactly, I'm giving him way out just in case. So. Yep. With that, you almost get that. Uh, you get that, that buy, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, 
We actually disagreed on a lot of fights here. I had more than I thought we would. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's one of those. I like to take a risk. I, I got yeah, a feeling is. that. I, but some of it, though, on paper, like you said, when you look at things on paper, it looks. Ah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But you know, when I start looking more at the mental aspect of some of these guys and, and women and, and how they're training and, and what what they also their loss their losses that they've had, how bad were they? Or were they just uh, unfortunate ref decisions too? You yeah. know what I mean. So there's a That's lot of true. things that play into some factors. You know, like there's a lot of split decisions on here. Could have, yeah. could have been. I'd have to re- rewatch those fights to see exactly uh, where we stand. Uh, when you look at this card as a whole, uh, what fight are you actually most looking forward to? You know, on well, on this one, a I mean, if I break it down, I, I do want to see what what happens there with uh, with Hector and. And, yeah. and them, I want to see who who's. I'm hoping both of them are going to walk away, but I'm more curious to see who who does pull off that victory and and how it goes in that way. Um, but I do want to see how uh, Ewell does. Nice. Yeah. I want to see how how dynamic because, like I said, coming in and having that name behind him, yeah. is he going to live up to that hype? And let's see Dana kind of go. All right, I finally got something <laughs> in the making. You know what I mean? And as well too. So yeah. so that one's that one's intriguing to me as well. Uh, one one fight I, I, we didn't talk about here, but I, I uh, really looking forward to is in the uh, in the prelims. It's the main event of the prelims. Ben Killerby Saunders against Sergio Moraes. Uh, ben Saunders is one of those fighters that win or lose, you're going to get an exciting fight. He's yeah, he's well rounded. He can submit you. He can strike with you. Uh, how he completely obliterated Jake Ellenberger. Uh, back in uh, June was fantastic, uh, but then uh, before that against Al Juwan, he got knocked out completely. Yeah. He will always bring a fight that's exciting, win or lose, and that's why I respect yeah. him a killer B. And Sergio Moraes is no no joke. So no. those guys are going to bring it. Could be a very exciting fight, and, and that's what I mean. There's no fear in either one of them. I mean, they're just going to go in there. The biggest, I, he kind of reminds me of how a young Clay Greedo used to be. Yeah, you know, that energy, yeah. that excitement, and, and I'm just going to come at you and do what I got to do. But like I said, he gets tagged. He gets caught, and then, okay, I'm, I'm done. But So that's going to be an exciting one. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take our guest co-host and turn him into guest. We're going to speak with mental game coach Shane McGowan. On the wrap-up, when the way in returns, you're listening to TSN Radio 1290. This is The Way In with Big Marv on TSN 1290, tsn1290.ca. All right, welcome back to the show. Big Marv here, of course, my guest co-host this week, uh, Shane Gowney, mental game coach. But, you know, we t- I like to use the last segment when we wrap things up to take my guest host, to guest, um, mental game, uh, head coach, uh, some of the guys that you coach through. You mentioned Trigger Shane uh, Mosley. Who else uh, that, that, we, that are notable you'd want to talk about? One of the other fellows that I also work with is Chris Van Heerden. Okay. And Chris actually is uh, in a tournament right now for going for the WBC welterweight uh, title. Nice. Um, he's also one of the few that is actually <laughs> – um, tag Conor McGregor when Conor was getting ready for the Floyd fight. So he trained. Like, he with, trained yep. with Paul Maggiani and exactly. Okay. So Conor came down to uh, Santa Monica there and worked with him and uh, a few years ago. Nice. And how did that go? 
didn't go great for Connor. <laughs> you know, I, but but overall, like I said, is is everybody will say the same thing. Connor's been a great guy, everything like that. You know what I mean? He's 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 a professional. There's no question. He works hard. I mean, I'll give these give him all the credit in the world. It's just that, like I said, is sometimes when you get tagged and media takes over as as it does. I mean, you, you don't like what happens in the media, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's all it came down to. But he <laughs> says Connor McGregor is without a doubt a workhorse. Okay, nice. Um, have you ever coached, uh, you know, someone hired you to be their mental coach and, and you're talking to them, they just didn't listen to what you had to say? Does, have you ever had like that kind of like always, breakdown? Always, always, always. You know, you, you get – Here's the thing is that depending on certain people, you're going to get uh, athletes that an age, I know, I know, I know, I know it all, right? And sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other. But again, too, is when you start to give them the more realistic picture and say, but this is what it's all about. You know, you need to follow these guidelines, these directions. A lot of them now are taking it back and saying, okay, earlier on, yes, I had more people that would be like that. You know, nowadays, everyone is taking it a lot more seriously where there's, they understand that there's a balance between not only having the physical and the technical aspects of my game, but I need to have that mental. And you got to have that as balance. And so when you can combine that two, they get success. And I think that's the biggest thing is I don't look good if you don't look good. You know what I mean? And really, that's what yeah. it comes down to. And my job is to make you look good and bring out your potential and figure out exactly what's holding you back. I mean, a lot of it's just the simple little things, but some of it is outside distractions. We forget about that. Million-dollar athletes here that have other lives, and they got distractions after distractions that they also have to deal with. Like and, John Jones. Exactly. John Jones. I mean, and again, here's the thing. You could, as an example, you could get tested positive for something that – you know, is not really technically a very banned substance, but it's still part of the rules. That sets you back. That also plays havoc on your mind because now you're labeled for that as a cheater and everything that goes with it, that stigma. And it's frustrating. But it's also frustrating for your opponent too because a lot of them do not get paid either. You don't show, I don't get paid. Well, that's a big setback for me. And I just paid a lot of money for my camps as well too. Um, Well, do you look at the roster of the UFC? Who stands out in there as someone who probably could use um, a mental coach as yourself the most? Every one of them. Every one of them. <laughs> you know what? Here's the thing. is, I, I, A lot of them already come in there. And as we just heard from Jesse, I mean, he, this guy was ready. He knows. And it's taken it from a bit more of his grassroots college era where they've incorporated into it of saying, you need to see yourself out there winning. You need to do all this. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it actually is more dealing with their coaches than always so much with the athletes. It's a balance. I would like to work more with the coaching staff as well so that they can, because I can't constantly be there full time as an example, but they can be. So if they can incorporate some of my ideas in that way, then they can give it to their athletes. And then I could eventually work with some of those people and and keep them on that same page. But a, a lot of guys and women that I think that really – do need a little bit uh, we just said melvin melvin like you said earlier i mean he was one of them that could have used it and and other people like that but i know george st pierre is very highly on it as well too awesome awesome yeah thank you for sa- taking the time to co-host the show with me today i uh, wish you luck i know you've got a few uh, uh guys you got a coach on the go here uh, always appreciate your insight on the mental aspect of the athlete whenever you come in and uh appreciate your insight on on fights uh, shane mcgowan uh, the mental game coach, where can people reach you on like Twitter and Facebook and stuff? 
You can reach me at first. Uh, my webpage is www.mentaledgeperformance.ca. You can go to coach at mentaledgeperformance.ca to get a hold of me. Uh, Instagram, Shane7551. Fantastic. Uh, I'll be back on the way in uh, next Sunday right here on TSN 1290 and iHeartRadio. You're listening to TSN Radio 1290.